CFL fans, are you ready? Because it's time for the Canadian Football Countdown on Mike FM Winnipeg. Canadian Football Countdown starts now. You get a blown lead. You get a blown lead. Yes, in week 15 in the CFL, you all get blown leads. Well, not quite all of you, but several massive meltdowns in the CFL in week 15. The Ticats managed to survive. The Bombers collapse in the final seconds against the Montreal Alouettes and uh, we've got some other great games to talk about as well here on the Canadian Football Countdown a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network I'm Ryan Coop alongside Michael Garrell Mike how are you doing today the only team on a pet that this would was just a scratch for the Rough Riders well but they didn't play the BC Lions didn't exactly blow a lead either no but I mean whole win-loss record this week Stats one of the unchanged. Yes, that that is how a bye week works. No harm, no foul. You watch the two teams above you. One of them collapse, and the other pull off a big win. I don't know, Ryan, but for me, let's just get this straight. One week I have an idea how the Washington at all. The next week my perception is a little bit muddled, and this week was one of those weeks. Yeah, the the Bombers lose, Stampeders win. They're tied at nine and four now. The Riders are at eight and four. Edmonton's at six and seven. BC's up to three and ten now. Um, safe to say it's between those top three teams for top spot in the West now. Is Edmonton starting to fall out of this a little bit? Yeah, Edmonton's starting to fall out of it, and full on panic mode if they lose. Uh... Against uh, they have Toronto coming up. No, I have Ottawa this week. Ottawa this week, yeah. okay. Yeah, Saskatchewan and uh, Toronto, but oh boy, they gotta stop this uh, ugly street, but they have an Edmonton because let's say hypothetically BC wins again this week and Toronto, or sorry, Ottawa beats Edmonton. Edmonton, it's a two game difference, they have one head to head. Edmonton does have the season series, though, so technically it's a three-game spread still. It is, but you looked at the schedules down the stretch. Edmonton has a double with Saskatchewan coming up. Saskatchewan to be motivated to finish first place. It's not entirely impossible, which is the scary thing, because I know it's only two games against Ottawa, and Ottawa has now taken over the... uh, the slot for the resident uh, tire fire in the CFL, it seems. You know, it was BC for a while at the start of the season. It was Toronto. It took their turn. Now it's Ottawa. But two strong wins over the Red Blacks. The Lions in their last three games have only given up three sacks. Mike Riley's starting to play well. Brian Burnham is the league's leading receiver. Hello to my fantasy team. Uh, but on the flip side, coming in this week... VA and the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, some of the topics we will touch on today. My apologies for bouncing back and forth, but I did not mention it. Topics include, are you ready, Ryan? Yes. Topics include BC in the playoffs, which we already discussed a little bit. We'll discuss it a little bit more. West Division. 
How do we see it shaping down? Why does it change every week? Why do our perceptions change every week? Collapses. We've already talked about that in the opening, but we'll touch on that as well. Oh, yeah. I have a lot to say about those. I have a lot to say yeah, about that. So it's okay. We'll dedicate 20, 25 minutes to that if you want. Maybe an hour. <laughs> probably not. Maybe an hour just to dice up one of them. <laughs> um, and then crossover. We have this discussion every year about, you know, seemingly, I think it's not in the last four years, but there's going to be a crossover um, from the west to the east. And is this the year and why? And is that crossover better than better this year than in previous years? Or how do we view that? Uh, the team sitting in the crossover spot right now is the Edmonton Eskimos. And again, that would be large on favorite at this point to finish crossover. But unless BC makes the charge and Edmonton completely falls off. And you know what? It might as well just happen based on everything that we didn't already foresee coming. But we didn't see coming, but it's happened. So expect the unexpected in the CFL. The CFL should change the slogan. The crazy football league. <laughs> because to be I thought honest, you were going to say change their slogan to expect the unexpected. A certain CBS reality show, uh, Big Brother, might have a, yes. a bone to pick with you on that one, Mike. Well, I think I just came up with our episode title. Expect the unexpected. For sure. I like it. Okay. So that being said, Ryan, let's have a quick discussion. Oh, the other what? one. The other one we talked about, and it ties into collapses too. Is the time we seriously consider Vernon Adams for MLP? Yes. Yeah, I, I think that's an interesting discussion to have as Mike just throws his phone at the microphone and it falls to the floor. Uh, epic collapse right there. And another one this week. Everything's falling apart this week. Yeah, apparently. Um, let, let's finish off on BC here. Yep. Um, two straight wins now. Gosh, can you believe we're saying that? Two straight wins for the Lions. I know it's against Ottawa. I know Ottawa is in deep trouble right now. But any time you sweep a two-game series, a home-and-home with another team, that that is a well-done feat in my opinion, especially if you're a team like BC going from, okay, you have the big win in the first game at home, then you have to travel across the coast all the way back to Ottawa, you know, it's the next week and, and play them again and you and in their home building you put up 40 on them you only allow seven like sure i want to see them you know how they perform against a couple better teams here but i i, I like the trend we're getting into with the lions i'm just trying to do some quick mental math so my apologies but by my calculations bc has outscored them 69 to 12 in two games yeah we can't just tell that. No, and, you know, their next game you mentioned is against Montreal. Before those two games against Ottawa, they played Montreal. They lost by three points. They uh, gave up only two sacks in that game. That was their first game of kind of this three-game stretch of, I'm starting to believe in this team a little. The thing is, it might be too late, right? Edmonton at least gets substantially tighter if what I said earlier happens. Yeah, and if BC finds a way to win that game against Toronto earlier this year, yeah, I I would say to make the playoffs, BC's probably going to need to win out here and have Ottawa. I I think if BC wins out, Edmonton can win one game. Is how it shapes out, is what I was reading. So 
BC, you've got Montreal, Toronto, Edmonton, Saskatchewan, and Calgary. Yeah, those are some tough games there. Granted, you know, Calgary in the final week of the season, they could have first place in the West Division locked up at that point. Edmonton has Ottawa, Hamilton, uh, BC, and... Saskatchewan twice. By week and Saskatchewan. Yeah. So, yeah, there's no easy way to predict the way this is going to finish other than to stay tuned. Yeah, I, I think it is a little too late. I think the Lions could make this interesting yet, but I, I think it's too late in the season. And you go back to game, you, you always have to do this. You go back to games earlier in the season. That one point Toronto game over Toronto. Well, no, they won that game. Did they? Yeah, they won it on the convert because Chris Rainey t- oh. stepped out at that bounds. You know, if if the Lions somehow make the playoffs by win, we look at games like that. But you also look at some other games where they have come close and they just let it slip. Like you had the game against Calgary earlier this year. They lost by four points. You know, that there's there's been games. There was one against the Ticats where they blew it and they lost by one point there. So That's the game I'm probably yeah, trying to think of. There, there, there's been a couple close ones that unfortunately are going to come back to bite the Lions. But they're starting to gel late in the season. And, hey... I, the, bring this back to the Hamilton Tiger Cats from, I want to say, two years ago under June Jones. Uh, when he took over after the team was 0-8 to start the season, they started playing very well in the second half of the season. It led to good momentum coming into last year, and uh, I believe they won the East Division last year, did they not? Or they finished, finished. either first or second. I think it was close between them and Ottawa. Sutton. Sutton, to do one in the Ottawa, had their doors blown off. But this, but this was a team that after Hamilton beat BC at home. Yeah. So. But this is a team that started as a dumpster fire the first half of the season, turned it around, carried that momentum into next year. Do I think BC is going to make the playoffs? I don't think so. Do I like what I've seen now going into next year, potentially if they can keep this up down the stretch? Yeah, I, I think that bodes well for them because if they continued down the path they were going down, I, I don't know how many of these guys would be there next year. Head coach included, general manager included. Yeah. Quarterback may be included. Well, I mean, Mike Riley's playing pretty well right now, if I do say so myself. Yeah, but of Th- course... This is the Mike Riley we were expecting to see in BC. Yeah, and it's, it's just very interesting how... You know, we see this a lot in hockey, right? A team doesn't make the playoffs, they're so far out of it, they're near the bottom. And you see that end of season run from game 60 when they're eliminated all the way to game 82. That's what this is like. That meaningless run of false hope. I hope that's not the case because, sorry to say it, I'd rather have BC in the playoffs than Edmonton, but you you just never know. Well, let's talk about Edmonton in that game uh, with the Ticats. Uh, early on, very quickly into this game, it's 21 nothing Hamilton. Dane Evans is something like 7 for 7, 150 yards, three touchdown passes. Jeez. Like, Dane Evans was on pace to break Matt Dunnigan's record. Dane Evans was on pace for, like, 20 touchdowns. In this game. Yeah, but here's the thing. And I can kind of throw the bomber game in the Alouettes game in this one, right? One team started strong, the other other finished strong. 
credit to Edmonton. They didn't fold the tent. They came back. They lost it on the last play of the game. Last plays of the game, in typical Eskimo fashion, where they forget to defend. And they lost it by a ball that hit off the post and in. Like it's that close. Yeah, it's. it's there's a couple of them this week that just made it all mm, off the pipe and through. Yeah. Right. It's, yeah. Exactly. And one bit hypothetically changed the game in Montreal, but there were more reasons beyond that. We'll get into that in a minute. I'll, I'll, I'll let you hype up, you know, the comeback here from the Eskimos in a second. Let me give some credit to the Ticats. Eskimos all season long have been known as very good pass defense, uh, susceptible to the run at times, but it is hard to pass against these Edmonton Eskimos generally. And what does Dane Evans do in the very first quarter? A 42-yard touchdown pass to Brandon Banks, 41-yard touchdown pass to Marcus Tucker, and then a 76-yarder to Braylon Addison. He's throwing deep balls the entire first quarter on this Eskimos defense and making a mockery of them early in this game. Like, this looked like it was going to be a blowout all night long. I know they struggled to put up points the rest of the game. They only put up, you know, nine points the rest of the way. Um... But very early on, they got Edmonton off of that game. I think Hamilton is the most complete team in the CFL. And I know people want to throw the Bombers in there, and I think they're right up there as well. But I see this Ticats team. Offensively, they're constantly on a roll. Defensively, they're strong. Special teams, I mean, you got Brandon Banks, you got Frankie Williams. Like, they're explosive on special teams. The Ticats, to me, are... We talked last week about how there's no Grey Cup favorites. As of right now, the Ticats are th- this close to being my Grey Cup favorites. To me, they're just missing one piece. And I think that piece will be in the lineup this week. And and it's the running game. You know, early in the season, Sean Thomas Erlington broke out as an outstanding running back. He goes down due to injury. Malik Irons comes in. He plays not too bad for a little while. He goes down due to injury. Since then, it's been a rotation. Cam Marshall, uh, Anthony Coombs, Jackson Bennett. You know, everybody's taking a turn in there. They even have, heck, this week, Braylon Addison was the leading rusher with 29 yards for them. They're giving him a lot of carries there. Like, they had such strong Canadian running back talent early in the season that they probably figured to themselves, let's just keep rolling with the Canadian ratio here. But now it's not working. These guys are not producing. And they brought a guy in at running back a week or two ago who I have been high on throughout, you know, his whole career and thought he got a bad shake with Montreal, and that's Terrell Sutton. Uh, You know, he went to BC last season. He signed with the Argos. He was let go by the Argos. Now he's in Hamilton. I think it's time this week to start Terrell Sutton, and I think Terrell Sutton is the one piece Hamilton's missing from being my Grey Cup favorite. You know this. The listeners don't know this. I'm still bullish on Montreal. I, as good as Hamilton is, truth be told, I think this comes down to a one-game playoff between Montreal and Hamilton. And may the best team win. And, and, and to me, that's Hamilton. I, I just think on all three sides of the ball, Hamilton is the most well-rounded team in the CFL. And okay. it's crazy to me that I'm saying that, given that Jeremiah Mazzoli is out for the season. Question. Is the Mazzoli era over in Hamilton? You asked this last week on the podcast. I didn't agree with you. 
I, I maybe maybe I need to start considering it. And, and it sucks. It always sucks when a guy loses his job due to injury, right? You never wish that on anyone in the CFL in any sports league, particularly. They have Dane Evans under contract for two more years after this year. I don't know off the top at of my head. At a very affordable price. Off the top of my head, I don't know how long Jeremiah Mazzoli is under contract. I think if you're Hamilton, you can afford it. Ideally, you're going to try to keep both of them, right? But if I, I said this last week. You're going to try to keep both of them if you can. Should you keep both happy? Probably not. Non-guaranteed contract, I think, will have a big say in that. I would say Dane Evans earned himself a starting job somewhere with his play so far this year. We'll see if he can get it done in the playoffs. Because that that's the big thing, right? But as far it's been as, the big thing with Hamilton lately. But as far as regular season success goes, Dane Evans has by far and away blown me away with how well he's played. Yeah, I when Jeremiah Manzoli went out against Winnipeg, I thought Montreal division of tape. Montreal didn't walk their way to the great top, but we sold that whole entire team short. Absolutely, they are a well-rounded team. And well-rounded teams succeed. And, you know, sure, they blew the lead in this game. But at the end of the day, they made the plays when they needed to. Good teams find a way to get it back. Exactly. Unlike certain other teams. Well, I I wouldn't say that the Bombers are not a good team. No, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, What do you you think about this comeback from Edmonton here? Oh, it's kind of like, I hate to be sorry, but it's like, you know, you climb yourself out of a hole, you get to the top of the hole, you finally push your head, you finally push your head above the hole, only to be, to be, only to be pushed right back down. That's what happened. Yeah. It was like that slippery surface, and you're at the top, you poke your head up for two seconds, and poof, you, sl- you slip on a slippery surface, and you fall down a few notches. That's what happened. But I was pleased to see uh, Logan Kildor settle down after a rough start. Um, you know, for a guy that hasn't really started a lot of games in the CFL period before this one, some experience for Logan Kildor preseason, couple regular season games, and, and that. It's hard to stay on even keel when the guy you're playing in Dane Evans comes out like gangbusters and you're sitting on the bench watching the guy on pace for 700 yards and 20 touchdowns. Yeah. You know, so credit to him for bringing his team back. Credit to Edmonton defense for not letting, you know, the hole get too big. But at the end of the day, one defensive play was the big difference in the game-winning field goal. It was certainly a lot closer than I expected it to be. Uh, I'll give Logan Kilgore credit, right? I, You mentioned early in the game he struggled a little bit. Heck, I didn't have high expectations for him coming into this game. Although, to be fair, in, in relief against Calgary last week, he actually completed quite a few passes in a row, and he didn't look too bad. Um, but this is another situation where, you know, you just don't have film on these guys as a starter. You don't know what to expect of them. And it's, it's kind of funny because sometimes a backup comes in and we expect the world of them. And then sometimes a backup comes in and we're like, oh, this guy completed this many passes. I'm impressed. Here's the it's inter- a fickle thing, the uh, backup becoming a starter. Here's the interesting scenario with that. Remember when everybody thought James Franklin was the not star quarterback to the CFL? Yeah. 
Remember when he came at Toronto, it didn't really work out because Toronto well, doesn't have the talent? I hope the same thing doesn't happen to Dane Evans. Jeremiah has always can work through things. He's been around. Dane Evans, I'm not sure he can lead an offense when he's that guy and the talent isn't necessarily around him. It, it does help that he has, in my opinion, the best offensive line in the CFL. Okay. Right? Yeah, so it's just an interesting dynamic of, you know, do you take Dane Evans off of Hamilton and put him on an existing CFL roster? And then you see them having the same amount of success. It's an interesting scenario. The Eskimos lose four straight now. They're they're struggling, you know, and we, we've talked enough about this already, about, hey, they actually need to look back and think, oh, BC's only a couple wins behind me all of a sudden now. Suddenly that game between Edmonton and BC means something, potentially. It might not after this week if Edmonton goes out and wins and BC loses. But, you know, I, I sum up this game by the Ticats being a team that has the killer instinct needed to win a championship. You come out flying early in a game, you face adversity, and you clinch it out in the final seconds when you need to. Yeah, it's... It's something that... It's something that... Let, let's get into the other game right now. Winnipeg-Montreal. It's something that do I Do we think, have to talk about this? Yes, we do. I'm still very disappointed. I, I think I'll say this right now. As high as I've been on the Bombers, I've picked them in every, almost every week in CFL pick them. I, I think they're right up there with Hamilton as the second most well-rounded team in the CFL. They look great at times, but this team lacks the killer instinct needed to win a great cup. They should be 11-2 and two right now. Yeah. They've really only played two stinkers all year. Well, you could say that they haven't deserved the win. Yet they're one play away from winning that game, and they could be 12-1. and one. All four of their losses have been games they should have won. Right? You have the... You have the game against Hamilton. Yeah. Where, I mean, Dane Evans comes in. He didn't play particularly well. The Bombers shot themselves in the foot. Right. Played a really good, strong Hamilton defense. You have the game against Toronto, which was deja vu this weekend. This lost to Montreal was the loss to Toronto all over again. And you have that game. It's up four times worse. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Alouettes are at least a good football team. So maybe, maybe. Maybe not quite as bad, but right, it, and then you have that game, and then you have the, the Labor Day game in Saskatchewan, where you know the walk-off field goal from Brett Water to hand the Bombers loss. Like these are four it, games it, this team if, should if have someone, won. And then if somebody makes a defensive play in that game, it's it's two points. Yeah. You know the Bombers come out flying early in the game. I mean Chris Strevler, three rushing touchdowns, one passing touchdown, almost saved my fantasy matchup this week. Just him alone. It wasn't enough, unfortunately, to pull out the win. But, I mean, the Bombers put up 14 points in the first quarter, 20 points in the second quarter, and then they put up Sweet. three points the rest of the game. They outscore Montreal 3 nothing in the third quarter, but then 21 unanswered points in the fourth. The Alouettes win with just a couple seconds left. Uh, first of all, th- this game, you know... Can, I, I, can I go on a limb here real quick? Yeah. And suggest Vernon Adams will be playing this week? Well, 
I really think he did it suspended. I think he probably should. As much as I'm a huge Vernon Adams fan, I mean, if you're going to rip a guy's helmet off and smack him with it, yeah, yeah, that, that's probably against the CFL rules. That That's it, probably it is. suspension worthy. It's use of a weapon. Weapon by football yeah. standards. The referee's standing right there. How does he not call that? I'm yeah. not saying the Bombers lost the game because of that. I, I think I think it would have changed the outcome. Absolutely. I don't think you, Matt Schultz is going to go down and lead them on this game-winning drive late in the game. Granted, the way Bombers' defense was playing, he very well might have. But, yeah, like you said, that doesn't change the outcome. It doesn't change the epic collapse from the Bombers' standpoint. And If, you know Medlo- if as, Medlock meets the field or meets the convert or an o- overtime or the Bombers win. Yep. It's... I draw comparisons between this game, and, and it's part of the reason I'm not so disappointed, because I feel like we kind of owed Montreal this one after the miracle at IGF uh, two years ago, where we did pretty much the same thing against the Alouettes. I was at, that's still the best football game I've ever been to. Uh, my favorite football memory I've seen live in a stadium, 13-point comeback with a minute 35 left in the game. This had very much the same feel to it, and Credit to the Alouettes, those guys were amped up in the second half. Like, it was a total shift, and I think the credit belongs with uh, the clear favorite. There's no question about it, in my opinion. You'd be the first interim coach to win coach of the year. Yeah, there's no question, in my opinion, Kahari Jones is coach of the year. Did you see him on that game winning drive? What? Did you see him dancing on the sidelines? He's jumping up and down and doing his groove thing. Maybe the turning point of the CFL season was the firing of Tavis Reed. Maybe. Well, Mike Sherman being like that. Mike Sherman, too. Like, to take a team where you become the head coach two weeks before the season starts, a team that has been a disaster for years, and to turn them around where, you know, I still think Hamilton's my Grey Cup favorite, but Montreal is very scary because this is a team that... I could see come playoff time just not going away. I wonder if CFL teams are going to stop paying the Montreal Watch bills. <laughs> they are owned by the CFL right now, after yeah. all. A great time to sell. I, I feel like their stock value is high after this game. It's funny how, you know, Bob Irving said something to the effect of, and everybody knows Bob Irving in this market, a legendary voice of the Bombers. He would be on my um, Mount Rushmore broadcasters in Canada, never mind Manitoba. But when he says that the Montreal Alouettes have the most relevant team since the Anthony Talvio era, that's how far we're going back in a dark time in Alouettes football. It's an exciting time to watch Montreal play. And now the lights have kind of come to the end of the tunnel, if you know what I mean. And the, which is why getting into another topic that I want to discuss about the easy crossover, I don't think that thing exists the way that number two team is playing right now. The, the easy East crossover has never existed. Let's get that straight. Teams never crossed over and made it to the Grey Cup. The closest was Saskatchewan. They beat Toronto in the round one and then got beaten by Ottawa in round two. Or it was the other way around. I think it might have been 
Yeah, it was yeah, the other Ottawa, way around. Ottawa and Toronto. Yeah, two years ago. And Toronto. they had the lead in the final minute than right, Toronto. Right, and then Toronto won the cup. So it's never been easy. Let's get that straight to start. And there is more parity in the CFL this year. Like, you look at the Bombers' record against the East Division, I think they're something like 3-3 three and three or something like that this Accurate. year. So, and that's just a microcosm of how things are much more balanced this year. You, like, if you're any of these teams, you have to go through Montreal and go through Hamilton to get to the Grey Cup. I don't frankly see how that's much easier than going through Calgary, Winnipeg, or Saskatchewan. Oh, that would be on the road, keep in mind. Yeah. I don't see how it's that much easier. I don't think it is. And I definitely okay. don't think that uh, that streak of a crossover team not making the finals. It's, they're not this year. It's not happening. Do you believe Dane Evans to be a better quarterback than Trevor Harris at this point? No. Assuming that Trevor Harris is bad for the playoffs, all accounts say he will be. No, I don't think Dane Evans is necessarily a better quarterback. I think Trevor Harris is a tremendous quarterback, one of the top quarterbacks in the league. But you just think Edmonton is I think if less you take a whole than that of a that catalyst and Yeah, quarterback Hamilton. doesn't make the whole team, Mike. Right. Right? You t- you take all three sides of the ball, I'll take the Tie Cats any day over the Eskimos right now. I'm sorry, Eskimos fans, but that's the way I feel. And yeah, I think Trevor Harris is a better quarterback, but I think Hamilton has the better offensive system. Which is crazy to me that I'm saying Jason Moss's offensive system is not great because he's, you know, Jason Moss's history. Statement for you. The Great Cup in Calgary will feature the Calgary Stampeders and the Hamilton Tiger Cats. True. Are you buying what I'm selling? It's, it's sickening to me because in a year where everything is so much tighter, like the, this West Division is, is going to be fun to watch down the stretch and everything. You know, you have teams out east that Week are looking... 19 and 20, Winnipeg and Calgary, home and home, the last two games of the Bomber season. Like, and you have these two teams out east in Hamilton and Montreal that are very much contenders as well. And yet, I still have that feeling that come November, it's going to be Calgary in the Cup for the fourth straight year. And it sickens me. Well, it just goes to show. Teams didn't take care of Calgary when they didn't have Bully by Mitchell. Yeah, and now they do, and now, now they're going to let everybody, oh, here's an extra life. Here's the chance to try to surpass us. Winnipeg just stubbed their toe twice. And it's going to cost them. That so, win against Calgary earlier on the season was huge because they have the home-and-home home down the stretch. You need to win one of those. I will make the series. proclamation right here, right now. If the Bombers lose to Saskatchewan in two weeks' time, the Bombers will finish third in the West. Very possible. And they will not win a semifinal game. Now, I don't think this 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 loss to Montreal is the end-all, be-all of the Bombers' season necessarily. It's just I'm starting to question it because it happens once against Toronto. It's a coincidence. It happens now against Montreal. This is, unfortunately, I hate to say it, the same thing we've seen from the Bombers for years, a team that just wasn't able to close it out when they needed I I had nightmares after this game. Bombers in the playoffs this year, seeing the same dang thing. Blowing a lead, coming out strong early in the game, blowing a lead, and they don't get it done at the end of the game when they need to. I don't want to pin this on Chris Traveler because it's not. No. But are we having a completely different discussion if the Bombers blow this game with Matt Nichols? 
What do you mean? Sabo, Chris Traveler for Matt Nichols. Bombers up 24 at one point. Matt Nichols is your quarterback. Well, okay. Are we having the same discussion about a blown game? I mean, if you want to be real here, Mike. Like One or two first downs by Streveler in the fourth quarter, that game is over. If you want to be real here, given the general fan perception of Chris Streveler versus Matt Nichols in Winnipeg, you know people love Chris Streveler. You know people hate Matt Nichols. If Matt Nichols is out there and they blow this lead, people are bringing eggs to Bombers Fan Fest the next day and egging Matt Nichols' car. Yeah. Hopefully not. Seriously, nobody egg Matt Nichols' car. Nobody egg anybody's car, please. Like, there's no need for that. But I'm just saying, how did the perception change, right? And I think it's imperative that the Bombers did 2B1 badly SAP. I liked what I saw from Strevor this game. I, I actually, you know, I'm starting to come around on him. He still has a long way to go as a passer, but, like, you can't tackle this guy. He had 80-something rushing yards. Chris Strevler is... end the, around, but went, like, 40 yards. Chris Strevler is the sixth leading rusher in the CFL. Killing my uh, fantasy team, and I had him earlier this year. Yeah. That would have been a brilliant pick if, you if it would have happened earlier, but... Sad face. Um... um to me, I hate to pin it on the guy because I love him so much, but this loss to me, much like the one against Toronto, I think a large portion of it goes to Paul Apolise. Bombers did not run the ball in the second half. Uh, Andrew Harris barely got the ball. Chris Trevor barely ran by himself. You know, none of that stuff in the second half of this game. And it seems to be the case when the Bombers dominate early in a game, a lot of the times... Like, that's when this, if you're up by 20-something, and you have a running back as strong as Andrew Harris, you have a quarterback who, even like, nobody can tackle, like, you should be running, like, three quarters of the second half. Maybe dump off a screen pass here and there to shake things up a little bit, but you didn't run the ball, you gave Montreal a chance, and they took it and ran with it. So are you excusing Richie Hall from, for this? Oh, heck no. <laughs> Did that what it sounded like? No. No, I mean, it, the other portion of it, I would say, would be on his defensive scheme. But that we, we've harped enough on Richie Hall over the last five years or whatever, which, I mean, to me, this, this city needs... It's so sad. This city needs a Grey Cup so badly because... The Bombers blow this lead against Montreal, and I can tell you, like, scrolling through Twitter, scrolling through CFL Reddit, at least 50 comments I had seen, and that's probably lowballing it, of Richie Hall needs to go, he should have gone a long time ago. You should have seen my phone after the team. Like, it's one loss. This team is tied for first in the CFL. Well, sorry, first in the the division. Yeah, first in the West Division. You made the playoffs this week. Okay, so riddle me this, and I think I know the answer to this. If you would have told me through 13 games, okay, Bombers would be 9-4, and four, tied with Calgary for first in the West. You selling what I'm buying? Are you buying what I'm selling? It sounds pretty good to me. So let's keep that in perspective. Never, it's mi- just a matter never of, mind these ugly losses. It's the matter of how they lost the games, Mike. It's... When it, like you said, it comes down to a one-game game in the playoffs. Who am I feeling more confident about? Calgary, Cal, answer this question. Playoff game. Mm-hmm. Say it. It's in Calgary. 
who are you feeling more comfortable about in a one-game playoff scenario? Even take it being in Calgary out of it. The Stampeders under Bo Levi Mitchell or the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? Whoever's at home. I'm taking Calgary either way. The Bombers have not lost at home this year. That is true. But some of them said about home field. And it may very well come down to that. The other topic you teased at the top of this show, uh, Vernon. I Ad- teased a lot of pins you today. Teased a lot. I, very- I think we've made it through most of them. I've lost track a little bit, but I think we're we're doing well. Um, Vernon Adams in consideration for most outstanding player. First of all, we we've harped on how bad this loss was for the Bombers. Let's give Montreal credit, and I gave credit to Kahari Jones already, which great credit is due there. But give credit to the rest of the team. I mean, the defense stepped up huge in the second half. Uh, Vernon Adams this game, 488 yards passing, four touchdowns, one interception, rushed for 38 yards and a touchdown. And he found everybody. Like, guess who the Alouette's leading receiver was? Wanky? Jake Wineke with eight catches, 134 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, Devere Posey, seven catches, 132 and a touchdown. Guess who, much to the chagrin of my fantasy team for the most of the night, doesn't even see the ball? Quan Bray. Until, who does he throw it to and get wide open down the field on the final drive of the game for the massive game? Quan Bray. Quan Bray, to get it done, you know? It's like you have this guy quiet, you would think he'd keep going to the guys who are the hot hands now. No, he knows this guy can make the play down the field. The more, imp- the even more impressive, crazy thing for me for the Alouettes here, they pulled off the comeback in this game despite the- William Stanback having five carries for two yards, the entire game. Here's a scenario though: they fell behind by 24. They had to become one-dimensional. True. And that's what I think really hurts about this game: is the Bombers have made Montreal one-dimensional. You knew what was coming, and you couldn't stop it. And I think that's what infuriates a lot of people. And late in the fourth quarter, Kyrie Wilson drops a pass, but it would have been a pit six. Okay? Jeff Hess drops a pass, but it would have been an interception to salt the game away. There was a myriade of 10 or 11 things that had to happen if Montreal was going to come back and Winnipeg was going to lose. And it had to happen in set order, and it was a checklist of 11. 11! Or more items. All 11 of those things happened. And the Bombers lost and Montreal won. Now, I'll admit, I don't know how the whole QB rating stat works in football. When people tell me, this guy had a perfect passer rating, I was like, I'm like, great, what does that mean? Right? Or he has a passer rating of 101.3. Like, I never know what that means, but I assume the higher it is, the better it is. Uh, tell me if you think this is a good number, Mike. Vernon Adams Jr., QB passer rating on the season, 100.3. Wow. 65% passing, almost just under 3,000 yards. He's averaging 268.5 a game, 15 touchdowns to 8 interceptions. He's also added 11 touchdowns on the ground and 332 yards. Yeah, I, I, I think it's time to maybe put Vernon Adams Jr., as a, an MOP nominee, especially if he keeps this up as the season goes along, because 
this guy is playing well. I think he's my East nominee of right, as of right now, although Brandon Banks and Braylon Addison might have something to say about that. I love what Vernon Adams Jr. has done. He's clearly become a leader on this team. The guys are buying into what he's selling, right? Like, you, you saw the passion of these guys on the sideline. Like, they showed Vernon Adams and Chris Matthews and Devere Posey, the three of those guys, you know, amped up on the sidelines. Like, they're buying into what Vernon Adams and Kahari Jones are selling right now, and that's why the Alouettes are the most exciting team in the CFL. Do you have two minutes? Can I take you to math class? Sure. Take the, you ask the question? The NFL and CFL passer rating formula includes four variables. Completion percentage, yards per attempt, touchdowns per attempt, and interception per, per attempt. Each of these variables is scaled to a value between 0 and 2.375, with 1 being the statistical average. When the formula was first created, a 66.7% rating included an average performance, and a 100-plus rating included an excellent performance. However, passing performance has since improved, and therefore, in 2007, this is the NFL, the average passer rating was 88.7. A perfect passer rating, 158.3, requires at least... A 77.5% completion percentage, 12.5 yards per attempt, and 11.875 TD pass attempt, and no interceptions. A minimum rating of zero requires, at best, 30% completion percentage, 3.0 yards per attempt, no touchdowns, 9.5% of your throws have to be for interceptions. Made sense? Not at all, but... But it's a mathematical formula. So basically, pass a rating, A plus B plus C plus D divided by 6 times 100. And the four variables are attempts, completion, yards, and touchdowns. Well, I'll tell you this. I was just scrolling through the different quarterbacks, and Vernon Adams is up there as one of the top passer ratings in the CFL. Um, Matt Nichols is number one. Uh, Nick Arbuckle is up there. Uh, so if you like algebra, you can figure out passer rating. Yeah. Nick Arbuckle's up there. Trevor Harris is up there. But Vernon Adams is right up there as well. Um, yeah. You, you you teased it. I, I, I think, and I'll answer it, I think Vernon Adams is a strong MOP candidate in my opinion. The only thing is it's MOP most outstanding, not MVP, most valuable player. Vernon Adams... Most valuable to his team if he leads this team from the dumpster fire they were the last couple seasons to where they are now, and they go on a roll, and they they make it far in the playoffs. Keep in mind these awards are awarded on the end of regular season. Right. But I think he's up there as a strong nominee. Okay, so if you, you're going to say that he's not, who is? Well, if you talk about Eastern nominees, I said it already. I said Brandon Banks and Braylon Addison. I've been spectacular. Dane Evans is starting to look good, but I think he played not enough of the All season. All of those performances Trump or VA has been able to do? Maybe. Probably not. Like, that's why I'm saying. I think he's my VA did the boat led Montreal to win in Edmonton earlier this year. I think he's my Eastern nominee. I said, I'll say that. Whether he wins it remains to be seen. We'll find that out in November. Who's your Western nominee? Willie Jefferson.
Jefferson and Adams who wins. Flip a coin. I could I could see Vern. They love to give it to the quarterback. I could see Vernon Adams winning MOP. And what a story that would be. And I would love that. And I would applaud that. Assuming he doesn't throw a helmet at anybody while he's accepting <laughs> his award. <laughs> wow. The other thing that I, I would suggest is that narrative that that's an offensive player's award for a guy like Willie Jefferson would also be a storyline. Right. Mike, let's move into wrapping things up here with uh, power rankings, pick em, and fantasy. So start us off with the uh, Michael Garrell power rankings through week 15. Okay, I've heard you. I've heard the criticism. And the fact of the matter is I cannot get it right. You asked about eight other people who would be the first in the power rankings. They would probably have seven or eight different answers. So here, to the best of my ability, without explanation, are my power rankings. Number one, the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Doing good so far. Number two, the Calgary Stampeders. Number three, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Number four, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Number five, the Montreal Alouettes. Let me stop you right there. Montreal does not move ahead of Winnipeg despite the win? Yes. Why? Only one head-to-head game. Fair enough. Uh, number five was Montreal, right? Yep. Six is Edmonton. Seven is BC. Eight is Toronto. And nine is Ottawa. Yeah. So let me tell you why your rankings are completely wrong. No, I'm just messing you with you. That was pretty good. It's <laughs> pretty good. Um, the highest BC, the only the thing, highest BC has been on your rankings. Yes, but the only thing you were considering is you would flip Montreal and Winnipeg. Potentially, I can see the arguments. I mean, Winnipeg's still nine and four. I, I just looked at the bomber resume. Wins in uh, wins not in Saskatchewan, but. Close against Saskatchewan, winning BC, winning Edmonton, haven't played in Calgary yet, and Montreal's had a relatively easy schedule given the fact that there are eight and nine teams in the power ranking to reside in the division where Montreal plays. Right. Which I think also needs to be taken into, into consideration for Montreal's start. Because I think it's been about since week seven. Or we'd sit, but we've had Montreal as a legitimate playoff team. Can you remember when the last time Ottawa started 2-0 and was? It certainly doesn't feel like we 2 of this year. Yeah. Yeah, that was a long, long time ago. And everything, you know, I figured we'd give Ottawa a break this week from uh, from talking about them. Because Ottawa has lost 10 of 11 since week 3. And we're we're just gonna leave it at that. Like like Red Blacks fans are suffering enough. We don't we don't need to barrel this, down this, on this them was, yet. This, this should have been their expansion year. Never mind two, three runs to the Great Cup, one championship. Um, getting into CFL fantasy talk here, Mike. The uh, CFPN fantasy challenge this week. I teased it up earlier. Put up over a hundred points, but this week it wasn't enough. I lost to... Because somebody in the pool caught fire. Well, uh, multiple people did. I lost to Brian from the BC Lions then. He put up about 121 points as well. Uh, he crushed me this week. I did, you know, catch up close enough that I that I do hold the season series over him. But 
I fall to 10 and 5. Three-way tie at the top of the standings right now between myself, Andrew from the Eskimo Empire podcast, and Travis from the Two and Out CFL podcast uh, via the tiebreakers, which, yes, I know. Thank you, Brazilian tie. I screwed them up this week when making the standings. Uh, my apologies. It should be Andrew still in first via the tiebreaker, Travis in second, myself in third, but all tied at 10-5. and five. Close race at the top of the standings. Um this week, I do face off against superfan Mike from the Eskimo Empire podcast. He did hand it to me nicely uh, back in week seven, I believe it was. So hopefully I can hopefully can I can I have a better showing against him this week and uh, get back on track here and stay in that race atop the standings in the CFL CFPN Fantasy Challenge. Uh, Mike, our fantasy league this week, uh, final scores of the week, myself, 194.76, yourself, 157.64. Uh, how would you sum up this week of CFL fantasy? Interesting. Um, considering I had a lot of, uh, considering I had a lot of, uh, people on by substantial play with like Bajardo. Uh, Shot Evans. Although you did also say that you had Charlton Hughes on on by, so things happen. Uh, I mean, if you would have told me first game of the week was Toronto and McLeod Bethel Thompson's gonna put up one point something or whatever, I was yeah, gonna not even make it out of the game. I was gonna think this was a long week for me, but then my other two quarterbacks, Chris Strevler and Vernon Adams Jr., uh, put up a combined like seventy points this week. So yeah, it's it's interesting, and that's led Team Dale to make some major major roster shakeups. So get right into it then. We get two moves each each week. Yeah, I am making two moves. Despite the everybody, I'm dropping one of my most productive players, but his hand injury has me questioning whether he's going to be effective the rest of the year. I'm picking up the quarterback that seems to be the hottest quarterback in the lead. Well, no, well, sorry, Vernon Adams is taken. Right. <laughs> the hottest remaining quarterback in the lead, so I'm dropping Trevor Harris, and I'm adding Mike Riley. I'm also dropping, you don't have to help me out with the name here. Rodney Smith, I Rodney think you said, Smith. right? Confirmed? From Toronto, yes. And I'm picking up Braylon Addison. It's almost a crime that Braylon Addison has not been picked up by either of us to this point. Did you drop him earlier this no, year? No, neither of us has ever had him. Really? Really. I had been thinking about it for so long, but he had the three-touchdown game against Toronto earlier in the season. Then he went on a dry spell for touchdowns for a little while. Now he's just the most used guy in the offense, so... If you weren't going to take him this week, I was. And you, my friend, last I heard, are making these significant change as well. Uh, two trades, actually, this week for myself as well. I know one of them. Um, the first one is, well, you were debating, do you take Dane Evans? Do you take Mike Riley as your quarterback? I guess I'll take the one that's left. Um McLeod Bethel-Thompson, as good as he was, he seems to be benched this week. Looks like James Franklin's going to start. So I'm going to drop McLeod Bethel-Thompson, and I will take Dane Evans, and I will pair him very nicely with Brandon Banks and look forward to some success there. And, well, the other move I'm going to make, I do it as a result of him. Uh, he, he looked so like he was having so much fun out on the field, and he, he was so hyped up. They had him mic'd up. He was a huge contributor to the comeback win by the Montreal Alouettes. 
I'm going to drop Avery Williams from Ottawa and take Greg Reed of the Montreal Alouettes. This is a guy that I believe is a rookie this year. If not, he might not be officially eligible, but he's having a very good year. I love Greg Reed, and heck, might as well just get more Montreal Alouettes on my roster. I think that's about five or six now. Yes, and the one that kind of criticized my Winnipeg load up early on. You got to do what you got to do. Yeah. <laughs> Works out pretty well when Vernon Adams throws 488 yards, doesn't it? True. Uh, getting into CFL Pick'em this past week, I was 3-1, and one, thanks Winnipeg. Thanks, uh, Calgary. For me, for me, I picked Toronto. And you picked Winnipeg over Montreal on a Justin Medlock. Uh, two and two. Yeah, two and two week for you. So let's get things back on track here. A little back bit. on track. Three and one is no slouch. Oh, it is when you're trying to get catch up in the standings. Um, getting into. Am week, I ahead of you there? I haven't updated our spreadsheet in a while. I'll admit. Okay, I was yeah. just, just curious. Yeah, I, I'll let you know. Okay. Yeah, I'll double check on that. Um, in terms of games for this week in CFL Pick'em, just to round out the show here, uh, we had started off Friday night in Winnipeg, uh, Bombers hosting the Ticats, uh, oh, that is a fun matchup there. Last time they met, Dane Evans came to the game in the second half, the Ticats held on to win. What's happening this time, Mike? Me first. You first. Bombers come up possessed and one by ten. Okay. I, I just... Cannot see them having bad, bad, bad efforts. I think if they channel the emotion correctly, Bombers win. I'm going to keep the home record going. They haven't lost at home. That's the only thing leading me to pick them this week. Uh, the Bombers generally play well against the Ticats, actually, uh, especially here in Winnipeg, uh, especially if there's a lightning delay, although hopefully that doesn't happen and the game gets shortened. Uh, I'll take the Bombers in a close game. Uh, last second. Justin Medlock's not going to miss a convert in like two field goals this week, and it could come down to that. Then on Saturday, we have another CFL triple header. Three games uh, starts at 3 p.m. Central Time. The Ottawa Red Blacks hosting the Edmonton Eskimos. Uh, I know the Eskimos are in a bit of a tailspin, but I mean, come on. They're, they're not going to lose to Ottawa, are they, Mike? I'm taking the Esks. Yeah, I'm taking it at the most, too. I, I had to really think about that one. I, I just can't see it happening. Ottawa, in their last three games against BC and Toronto, two teams that coming into those three weeks had one win, been outscored. What did I send you yesterday? Wasn't it something like 112 to 20 or something like that? Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Uh, Saskatchewan and Toronto. In Toronto, the Argos hosting the Riders. Who do you got? We're Toronto. James Feinberg comes off the bench and uh, gives Toronto the spark, but they need to win by a couple points. I was hyped on James Franklin, and he let me down last time they played the Riders back in week three. Uh, I, I will take Saskatchewan to win this one. Coming off the bye week, I think the Riders are going to be pissed off after that Banjo Bowl game still, and I think the Riders will come out and win this game. And then the final game of the week, the Montreal Alouettes, in BC to face the Lions. Can the Lions get a three-game win streak against the most exciting team in the CFL? I will say no. To me, uh, I want to pick the Lions, but I love everything about Montreal right now. I'll take take Montreal. 
I'm taking BC at home, just that Eastern team going out west. I just have a hard time seeing Montreal after that high of that finish this week. Well, it's just dropping a... Now they have the expectation, right? Is there a residual letdown? Right. BC at home, they do play better at home. I could see it happening. That does it for this episode of the podcast. Uh, We'll be back again next week. In the meantime, check out everybody else on the Canadian Football Podcast Network at Network on Twitter and cfpodnetwork.ca. Uh, follow us on Twitter at CFC on Mike FM. You can find me at Cooper Trooper 42. Mike? Uh, Mike Carroll, lots of hockey related tweets. Yes. Uh, like, subscribe, review, drop us a rating on iTunes as well. You can find us on all the podcast platforms and uh, enjoy a great week of CFL football. Enjoy a triple header on Saturday, and then we'll be back again next week to talk about it all over again. For Michael Garrell, I'm Ryan Coop saying thank you for listening, have a great week, and take care. Bye. Bye.